0: You are listening to Reach mdxm 233 the channel for medical professionals. A right to privacy and personal information has historically found expression in American law. Throughout our nation's history, we have placed the rights of the individual at the forefront of our democracy. To take but one example, the Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees that "...the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated." By referring to the need for security of persons as well as papers and effects, the Fourth Amendment suggests enduring values in American law that relate to privacy. The need for security of persons is consistent with obtaining patient consent before performing invasive medical procedures. The need for security in papers and effects underscores the importance of protecting information about the person contained in sources such as personal diaries, medical records, or elsewhere. Today we'll be discussing HIPAA. And the individual right to privacy. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today, Jim Bream, an attorney with the offices of Query and Harrow. Jim concentrates on the defense of hospitals, managed care organizations, and physicians in professional liability programs. He has handled cases in the trial and appellate courts and is a featured speaker and guest lecturer on various healthcare and legal medical issues. Jim, welcome back to the show. I feel so Jeffersonian with that introduction. Thank you. Thank you. I think that uh, we do need to be a little bit more aware of our laws in how they protect both the patient and the doctor, but today we're really talking about the patient's rights.
1: So what rights does HIPAA give to the patient? HIPAA provides an individual right to privacy to the patient. This includes a right to control uses and disclosures, of Individually Identifiable uh, Protected Health Information, or PHI. It allows the patient to exert a right to control access to that information. The patient may request amendments to the record. The patient may receive accountings of the uses and disclosures. Tell me about a patient's desire to request an amendment.
0: I've never had that happen.
1: I'd be happy to. There's two other uh, aspects of the rights that a patient has, a right to notice, of the covered entity's privacy policies and a right to request confidential communications regarding health care treatment. Now, as we mentioned, a patient does have a right to amend or to correct the record. Uh, How about an example, Jim? Patient uh, finds out by accessing a medical record, which they have a right to inspect, that you have written that the patient was uncooperative or that the patient failed to follow your advice. That patient then has a right to request to amend the record and offer you in writing the proposed amendment, such as, it wasn't that I was uncooperative, it's that I didn't understand the implications of your instructions. Do
0: I then just place that in the chart, or I can't go back and change my medical record?
1: Number one, if it's not your record, for instance, you have assumed a patient, and the patient came to you by referral from another primary care provider, And in connection with that, the patient brought her old records with. If these weren't your records that she wants to amend, you don't have to. Second, if it's not a part of your regular record set, you don't need to amend them. Third, if you feel your record is accurate and complete, you don't need to amend it. What if I don't agree with the patient
0: and say, you know what, you were extremely uncooperative, I am standing my ground.
1: What has to happen is once you receive the request, you need to act within 60 days. HIPAA does provide you with a 30-day extension on a one-time-only basis, so that's good for up to 90 days total. You have to inform others who have previously received the records. If you've sent them on to consultants, for instance, you have to inform them of the request as well. And if the patient submits the amendment, you can put that into the chart and you can also prepare a rebuttal statement.
0: So thank God thus far I've had no requests
1: for amendments, and I hope it stays that way. I hope it does for you too, but just be aware that it can be out there and you need to honor it uh, appropriately under HIPAA, but document your efforts to either allow the amendment or if you're going to deny the amendment, that needs to be in writing back to the patient as well.
0: Counselor, you've talked about all the rights of the patient Do I, as a physician, have any rights anymore in
1: this world? You do. There are uh, uses and disclosures which you can partake in. So there's actually something in HIPAA that's good for me. That's right. Please go on. In the HIPAA regulations, there are certain uses and disclosures that you can engage in as long as you have a patient authorization. There are other uses and disclosures you can engage in uh, where you can do so without necessarily having an authorization, such as carrying out treatment. You can treat a patient, obviously. They've come to you for treatment. Looking for payment or carrying out routine healthcare operations. Jim, Mm -hmm? stop the legalese. Give me an example that my audience can understand. Let's just say androgynous patient A, and we'll shorten that to APA. Excellent. Because I know medicine likes acronyms. Go. All right. APA comes into the office. APA needs to be referred to a general surgeon. Can you transmit your records on APA to the general surgeon under HIPAA? Answer?
0: That's an excellent question, and I'm going to defer that while I do our middle tag and identify who you're listening to right now. You're listening to ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm with Jim Bream, attorney and featured speaker on various healthcare and legal medical issues. Jim, we are talking about this hypothetical patient, APA, which stands for?
1: Androgynous Patient A. Okay, what's the question? Oh, we never, lawyers never like to take a break when a question is pending, so I've given you extra time to answer it. Can you send APA's information on to the general surgeon to whom you referred APA for further treatment? Yes, I believe I can. Ding, 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 you have a right answer. You can. HIPAA permits that as an authorized use or disclosure. Jim, what if I have a patient who is depressed and who
0: is at risk of killing themselves, and they have not signed a HIPAA release that I can speak to anyone in their family whatsoever? Do I go home and pray that this patient won't kill themselves? Do I stick this patient in the hospital, although they don't want to be put in the hospital? What do I do in that case? It seems like HIPAA is handcuffing me.
1: What's important to remember under HIPAA is that it is a foundation. HIPAA sets the floor in terms of privacy. It does not change, alter, or amend stricter privacy regulations that may exist under state law. Most states have very strict laws with respect to disclosure of mental health information. I'm sure everybody has heard what happened at Virginia Tech Two weeks
0: ago, and I'm curious if the HIPAA laws were not in place would
1: would the outcome have been any different? The analysis of the Virginia Tech case would need to use HIPAA as the foundation, and was there a permitted use or disclosure available under HIPAA, but even if one were to assume that HIPAA would authorize disclosure of that individual's information, you then would need to look at Virginia's own state laws on mental health and developmental disabilities. And does each state have their own mental health laws? Absolutely. And they are pretty strict in terms of disclosure. And in most instances, they would not have permitted disclosure of this individual's information to law enforcement, for instance, unless there was a stated or obvious threat to the health or welfare of the individual or other individuals.
0: Okay, so I can let go of my anger against HIPAA for this particular situation.
1: For instance, in the state of Illinois, there can be disclosure of that information to uh, the police department if there is an active ongoing investigation with respect to that individual. What do I need in my office? I have a general internal medicine
0: practice. What do I need to be up to code, up to snuff, and not worry about the HIPAA
1: police? You should have a HIPAA authorization form available for your patients to sign when they first come in in their initial patient encounter. Got it. You should have a sign in your office saying that you have a privacy plan, you have it in place, and it's available for inspection if the patient would like to see it. What if it's on my website? You can direct your patients to your website then, but you need to otherwise make it available to them in the event that you have a patient who's in that, old oh, what, 33% of the population that doesn't have access to the Internet. Okay, so I need to get a new sign is what I'm hearing. You need to have something there in the office to advise patients that you have a HIPAA privacy plan and that they can read it when they request it. What else do I need? And you need to have HIPAA consent forms available so that if you need to obtain records from somebody else, you have a document that the patient can sign to give you that authority to do so. Do I need domes of silence? If you
0: recall from the the old Get Smart series, there was a dome
1: that would descend over them where they would speak in it and no one else would hear what they're saying. You need to have a practice in the office of protecting health information so that charts are stored in a confidential manner, so that there isn't open, ready access to the charts. Patients aren't walking through your record storage area. I got
0: one for you. What about a doctor's office who has 30 charts
1: sitting on their desk and also functions as an exam room? That's a great example. Or a consultation room let's say that the exam's completed and you want to bring the patient into a more private area mm-hmm. and that you bring them into your office. But on your desk, in your office, right. you've got five other patients' charts sitting there open to view. That certainly would be a HIPAA violation because while that patient is obsessing over their own malady, they may think that misery loves company. So if I was to leave the room, they they would have easy access to that other chart. That's right. How about a fax machine that's sitting on your front ledge as the faxes are coming out. They're readily viewable to your patient population that's sitting in the waiting room. That seems insane. And yet, you know, there's office configurations where somebody may have something like that, Mm -hmm. or they have a space for the fax machine, and they're not taking HIPAA into consideration.
0: Okay, so let's say my patient looks through someone else's chart while I slip away to go to the bathroom, and I come back and I see them reviewing that chart. Who gets to have the, the claim in that in that scenario? Do I accuse the patient and call the HIPAA police, or does the patient call the HIPAA police and say, Dr.
1: Kaskill had this right in front of me and made it easy for me to look at? It's not my fault. The right to privacy is that of the patient's. So that chart that was viewed, that patient is the one who has the right to privacy. But of course, you as the practitioner who allowed the violation would need to notify that patient that a violation of his or her rights just took place. I'll give you an example. How about a situation that happens in the hospital where you have a bad outcome? The nursing staff is nervous. They know there's been a bad outcome. They take a copy of the chart home because they want to have documentation of this event. Is that a HIPAA violation? It sure seems like it. It is. And
0: thank God I've never had that happen. I've never had a bad outcome, and I hope to never have a bad outcome in the future. And on that note, I'd like to thank Jim Bream, attorney at law, for joining us today on The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.